Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. The 2024 Plant and Soil Conference will be held February 6th and 7th at the Doubletree Hotel in Fresno. The conference is being organized by the California Chapter of the American Society of Agronomy and the University of California Cooperative Extension. This year's conference will cover the following topics. Adapting agronomy to an uncertain future, precision agriculture, nutrient management and micronutrients, animal plant systems management, soil management, the California IPM toolbox, pesticide resistance, bees and pollinators, groundwater recharge, and on-farm water management. Growers, pest control advisors, and crop consultants, allied ag industry professionals, academics, and government agency staff attend this science-based conference each year to stay up to date on major issues in California agriculture and their potential solutions. In addition to networking opportunities, the conference offers continuing education credits for growers and other ag professionals seeking to maintain various licenses. Early bird registration is $325 and ends on January 12th, then registration goes up to $375. On-site registration will be $425. For more information and to register, search the California chapter of the American Society of Agronomy. The Central Valley Water Board Waste Discharge Requirement requires rice growers to submit a farm evaluation and nitrogen management plan to the California Rice Commission every five years. The farm evaluation is intended to provide the CRC and the Central Valley Water Board with information regarding grower implementation of the order's requirements. The CRC will collect the data submitted and prepare a farm evaluation management survey for submittal to the board. The nitrogen management plan is intended to provide rice growers with a planning tool for managing nitrogen applications. Information submitted to the CRC is not provided to the board. The farm evaluation and nitrogen management plan will be reported for the 2023 crop year beginning in January of 2024. The CRC will have a link available on their website for the submittal of information by each grower. The data is required by the order to be submitted by March 1st. Each plan will be submitted using a grower's unique identification number from their permit at the County Agricultural Commissioner's Office. Information reported to the board will be by township. In addition, the farm evaluation and nitrogen management plan must be maintained or be available electronically at the grower's farming operations headquarters or primary place of business. A copy of each plan must be made available for inspection upon request to the Central Valley Water Board staff. For more information, contact the California Rice Commission. 
Fresno-based U.S. peach producer Prima Wawona is in a thick of bankruptcy proceedings and a pending auction for sale. According to Prima Wawona's interim CEO, John Balkan, the firm's collapse in bankruptcy is mainly due to the 2020 Creek Fire and a three-year-old peach recall. The claim was revealed as Prima Wawona owner Payne Schwartz, an investment firm, is accused in a lawsuit of intentionally tanking the company for financial gain. Balkan said that Prima Wawona's problems can be traced back to a salmonella outbreak in August of 2020, The company voluntarily recalled all peaches it distributed over the previous two months, even though there was not a link to its peaches. The Food and Drug Administration investigation did not find any connection tying the company's peaches to the salmonella outbreak, but the company was left bearing the costs. He also blamed the 2020 Creek Fire, which burned nearly 400,000 acres in the Sierra National Forest. In total, Prima Wawona estimated an $18 million reduction in earnings because of the Creek Fire. C.J. Buxman, a third-generation San Joaquin Valley grower, shipper, and former president of Fruit World Company, has started Sunny Cal Farms. Sunny Cal Farms is offering organic and conventional California-grown specialty and traditional citrus, along with heirloom and novel grapes. The original Sunny Cal Farms was started in 1981 by C.J.'s father, Carl Jasper Buxman, and packed under the Jasper labor, which is also being resurrected. C.J., along with his wife and partner, Maureen, wanted to use the historic company name and label to rekindle the yearning for fruit and put quality and flavor above all else. The Bucksmans grow 120 acres of organic and conventional citrus and table grapes, manage another 100 acres and have long-standing relationships with other foundational California family farmers who share the Bucksmans commitment to providing quality fruit and exceptional customer service. As curators of specialty and unique products, Sunny Cal Farms can bring program buying consistency to small and mid-sized retailers, according to the company. Sunny Cal Farms is currently shipping organic and conventional citrus, including specialty varietals, lemons, and navel oranges. 2023 is turning out to be a good year for California wine grape growers. The year started off with lots of uncertainty, mainly because of stormy weather, which later resulted in a late harvest. Gino DeCaro of the Wine Institute gives a recap of the year. It really has turned into kind of that rare year of both a good yield of wine grapes as well as quality of those wine grapes. It's just uh, up and down the state from San Diego all the way up to Mendocino. Basically, every wine region we have talked to to generate this report has indicated that it's just an exceptional year for exquisite flavors, really, really vibrant acidity, and a remarkable balance in those wines. And there was a little bit concerned with how the weather went down over the past 10 months, but you know, abundant rainfall and the cooler summer and spring just created ideal ripening uh, conditions for these grapes. And while the harvest, in fact, did turn out to be about, depending on the region, two weeks to a month late, I should say later than usual, later than average, it's just uh, it's just turned into an exceptional year. There's hope that consumers will take note of this year's harvest and look for California wine labeled with the year 2023 in the future. I would say when you're looking for those gifts at the holidays and uh, um, your particular wines and, you know, Two to three to four years uh, when you see 2023 on that bottle, it's going to be a great thing. Once again, Gino DeCaro of the Wine Institute in California. The Wine Institute is a public policy advocacy organization representing more than a thousand California wineries and affiliated businesses. 
California-based Calava Growers is pleased to announce the addition of Kurt Kistler as Vice President of Sales, Tomatoes, and Papaya, and the retirement of industry veteran Brian Bernauer. Kistler brings more than 25 years of fresh produce industry experience after having spent the last seven years at Charlie's Produce. He also previously held positions at Taylor Farms and UNFI. During his tenure at those respective companies, he became proficient in managing a national sales department, brokerage, purchasing, grower relations, marketing, and quality control. In his position at Calavo, Kistler will direct all aspects of the company's tomato and Hawaiian papaya programs, including sales, grower relations, and shipping operations. Emerald Packaging Incorporated has collaborated with Diarigo, California, who ships under the Andy Boya label, to further develop a post-consumer recycled bag for its premier Romaine Hearts products. The bag will be available to all grocers that carry Andy Boy Romaine Hearts across North America. The two companies say they share a commitment to improving the environment in their respective industries. The new Romaine Hearts bag will be made up of 30% PCR plastic, helping Diarigo, California and Emerald Packaging reduce the need for virgin plastic production, taking a step towards a more circular economy. The use of PCR reduces plastic pollution by diverting waste material from landfills, which could end up in the ocean. Diarigo, California has used 5% PCR in millions of their three-count romaine heart bags since the beginning of the year, stepping up PCR content over the last several months. In December, Diarigo, California will transition their two-count romaine heart and three-count romaine heart bags to 30% PCR, the current sweet spot for the resin inflexible packaging met for grocery stores. We know it's been tough managing inputs and resources lately. That's why we're inviting you to the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno, California. This event is a lifeline for specialty crop growers, PCAs, CCAs, and applicators alike. It's your opportunity to get help in today's challenging landscape. What will you find at the Input Ag Summit? Cost-saving seminars, networking with experts, special panel discussions, and solutions for hard times. Visit myaglife.com backslash events today to sign up for this new and exciting conference. Costco's in-store sampling program has nothing on the U.S. Rice Quality Symposium, which was held recently during the USA Rice Outlook Conference in Indian Wells. During the approximately two-hour event, breeders from public institutions as well as private companies cooked their leading rice varieties and provided samples to potential buyers. The breeders also answered questions and received input about what the buyers would like to see in new varieties. About 100 USA rice members and 40 international visitors attended. The rice industry began the symposium a few years ago after some foreign buyers, particularly from Central and South America, complained about the quality of U.S. long-grain rice in the marketplace. The varieties were perfectly fine for human consumption, but they didn't have the appearance, physical characteristics, or chemical properties that some buyers wanted. As a result, they bought long-grain rice from other countries that could meet the specifications. Maintaining export markets is important, since nearly half of U.S.-grown rice is sold outside the country. Three California rice experiment station breeders were among those providing samples. While the station focuses mostly on developing improved Calrose medium grain varieties, station director Dustin Harrell said it was still important to show off their long grain varieties. They had the commercially available L208 as well as three experimental long grains. I think it's a good uh, symposium for us to be involved with because it gives us the opportunity to showcase some of the high quality long grain varieties that we have in our program. Uh, here in California, we only have about one to one and a half percent long grain uh, in California, but 
the long grain that we produce is, is high quality and we think it competes well with the Mid-Southern long grain. So this gives us an opportunity to showcase our varieties to Latin America, Central and South Americans that were at the symposium. We took one of our newest released long grain, L208, and we also took three different experimental varieties that have potentially could be released in the future just to see what they thought about our rice. And we were able to showcase it in its raw form. And also uh, we were able to cook the rice. And we also had laboratory data uh, with the variety as well to go with it. And we had a lot of positive input from the importers there that were at the museum. In fact, we had offers of whether or not we could supply that for them uh, in the coming years. So, you know, it's a little bit more to it than that. But, you know, it, it gave us an opportunity to, to mingle with them and, and really showcase our variety. Although not part of the formal tasting, Rice Experiment Station breeders also provided potential customers with sample bags of other varieties they've released or are in development. One that's garnered considerable excitement is calamori, an arborio rice that can be used for Italian dishes like risotto. It's not yet released, but Harold said it's already receiving high marks from top-end chefs who tested it against other arborios. For growers, calamori is an improvement over previous versions. We have a specialty variety, and it would be a, a niche, you know, package-type rice. It's an arborio, and if you're not familiar with arborio, uh, arborio is an Italian type rice and uh, it's most often used cooking Italian dishes like risottos. And it's a short grain rice with a chalky center. So it's a little bit different than our typical short grain or, or Midian grain. And our new variety uh, has a lot of advantages over the original arborio and the current arborio being grown in California. One of those advantages is there's a significant yield advantage over the current variety being grown of about 12%. It mills better than our current Arborio. And something our growers and rice handlers would like is that it's non-pubescent or meaning that it has smooth, non-hairy leaves and uh, grains as well, which makes harvesting and management and transport of the grain more desirable. Anytime you have a specialty variety like this, we really need to have it evaluated by those that consume the specialty type rice. So what we did was we were able to have this evaluated by several chefs in the U.S. We had chefs evaluated several in New York, San Francisco, Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, Georgia, North Carolina, and Kentucky. So we had a network of chefs and we gave them packages of our new Arborio compared with the current Arborio and the historical Arborio. And the results uh, that we got back were outstanding. Our new Arborio ranked first as compared to all the other Arborios uh, by a significant margin, actually. And, and we got a lot of great feedback from the, the chefs. And you mentioned the name. Whenever we named this variety, we wanted to recognize that it was developed in California, but has that Italian background. So we decided to call it Calamore. And we hope that we're going to release Calamore in 2025. Another specialty rice in the works is a fragrant Calrose medium green. Harold said it has a similar aroma to the jasmine types, although not quite as strong. It also has a grain quality Calrose medium grains are known for. He said the new fragrant Calrose may be released in 2025. 
So if you're familiar with California cowros, it's a staple around the world for high quality medium grain rice. And if you've had sushi in the U.S., it's probably made from California cowros uh, medium grain varieties. One of the things that we've been working on for many years is having a fragrant or aromatic cowros variety. So still having the same quality and cooking characteristics of cowros, but with a light aromatic or, or smell to it. We wanted something that would compete somewhat with jasmines, the Thai jasmine that's imported. Thai jasmine is a long grain, uh, has a strong fragrance to it, smells like buttered popcorn. But our fragrant cow rose variety is going to have the same smell, but the intensity is going to be really light. So it's going to be a a lightly fragrant, but high quality California cow rose variety. And again, we think this will be something that would compete well with some of the other aromatic varieties out there, especially since it has the quality and cooking characteristics of California cow rose medium grains. In early 2023, the Rice Experiment Station released Cal Hikari 203, a premium short grain rice. Harold said it has improved yield and is non-pubescent, meaning it doesn't have hairs on the plant or hulls. In taste tests with expert panels, it ranked just below the Japanese variety Koshikahara, considered the gold standard. In the U.S., short grains are used frequently for sushi, but in many parts of Asia, this type is eaten every day. So this year, we released uh, Calicari 203. So as you said, it's a premium quality short grain. It has a lot of advantages over the previous Calicaris and Koshikahara varieties. One being that it's it outyields them, stands a little bit better than the uh, other calicaries. It doesn't lodge on us in the field as easily, but it will still lodge. And it's also our first variety in this class that's non-pubescent, meaning again that you know we don't have hairs on the leaves and, and hairs on the uh, the hulls of the rice, which is really desirable with our growers and, and rice handlers. So. It looks like it's going to be a great variety. We had a lot of it out there this year in seed production, and we hope that it's going to grow. And uh, we'll be able to retire one of our older Calicari varieties, Calicari 202, uh, sometime in the future. Let this one kind of take over. While the Rice Experiment Station remains focused on breeding improved Calrose medium grain varieties, Harold said he hopes specialty varieties like these will compete in niche markets, some of which are dominated by imported rice. As many within the domestic rice industry like to say, eat U.S. rice. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture. A better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a human touch. Visit huma.us to learn more. The global agriculture system will be expected to provide more food as the world's population increases. To better understand how the world agriculture system may grow in response by 2050, researchers at USA's Economic Research Service created a range of scenarios based on population growth. Under median population growth, production worldwide would have to increase by over 14,000 trillion crop calories to feed 9.75 billion people in 2050. This is a 47% increase in crop calories from a 2011 baseline. Crop calories, the total calories available from crops, are a measure of the size of global agriculture since crops can be either consumed directly as food or fed to animals to be consumed as meat, dairy products, and eggs. In a high population growth scenario, 
110 trillion crop calories would be needed to feed 10.8 billion people. That is a 61% increase in calories from the 2011 baseline. With both the medium and high population growth scenarios, researchers assume that as per capita income rises, people would increase their overall consumption of calories. The German chemical giant BASF has announced plans to separate several of its businesses to unlock earnings potential, according to the company, and Agricultural Solutions was specifically named in the reorganization. The company plans to take a more differentiated approach to operating several individual businesses within BASF, according to Chief Financial Officer Dirk Elverman. The United Nations COP28 climate conference has resulted in a milestone declaration signed by over 150 nations. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. At the just-concluded United Nations COP28 climate conference, there were about 200 nations represented, and while the time did not allow the conference to issue a final message or text for the entire meeting, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says 152 nations did sign onto a special declaration. A declaration that outlines the steps that need to be taken uh, in order to ensure that we can produce the food necessary to meet the nutrition needs of the world now and in the future. And do it in a sustainable way. It lays out a series of commitments and and directions that I think are very, very consistent with what the the United States uh, farmers and ranchers Uh, have been engaged in. Namely, participating at record levels in market-based voluntary conservation programs. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The National FFA Foundation has announced its new chair for the Sponsors Board. Mary Snap, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Microsoft, was named chair for the upcoming year. Snap grew up in a rural Kansas town and joined Microsoft in 1988 as the company's first female attorney. The National FFA Sponsors Board is made up of top corporate executives who wish to support agricultural education and the National FFA Organization. To meet the increasing demand for quality nuts amidst workforce shortages and crop challenges, Premier Tech of Canada presented the Prairie SCP-2100 robotic nut sorting machine. This innovative equipment efficiently removes defects from nuts such as almonds and pecans, sorting them into multiple streams for easy repurposing. Driven by artificial intelligence technology, this robotic nut sorter is easily adjustable to the desired grading quality. Its unparalleled sorting flexibility and precision ensure that only bad nuts are removed, maximizing yield and meeting the highest product quality standards, according to the company. With a processing capacity of up to 5,000 pounds per hour and the capability to operate across multiple shifts a day, the Prairie SCP-2100 stands as an asset in addressing the ongoing labor shortage and workplace safety concerns. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. 
That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.